Joe Mazzula is the head coach of the Boston Celtics, the professional basketball team, and recently he was giving a press conference answering questions from reporters. And at the game that they had just played, in attendance was the Prince and Princess of Wales, William and Kate. And so one of the reporters asked Coach Mazzula, did you get a chance to meet the royal family? Or if not, how was it like having them in the building? And he, and he responded, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? The reporter laughed, clarified about whom she was speaking. He said, I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that other one. And it almost made me want to be a Boston Celtics fan. Now, when William and Kate's son, George, was born several years ago, he was third in line to the throne, and his birth was covered by media throughout the world. When Jesus was born, his birth was announced to a group of nobodies, shepherds. He was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And yes, Joseph and Mary were of royal lineage, but no one had sat on the throne of David for hundreds of years. Joseph made his living as a humble craftsman. All of us have a desire to be noticed, to be appreciated, to be recognized. When I was a boy, there was a popular television sitcom, The Brady Bunch, and Carol Brady had three girls, and the middle child's name was Jan, and Jan was sandwiched between her popular older sister and her cute younger sister, so she didn't get much attention. And she would complain about her older sister getting all the attention. She'd always say, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Everyone talks about Marsha, right? In a recent survey, one in four Gen Zers, that is those 16 to 25, say that they plan on becoming social media influencers, you know, TikTok stars. Well, if any of you have that plan, let me try to dissuade you. I don't think it's a good plan. For one, not many people will actually make a living doing that. But even if you were to make money and succeed in that sense, I don't think you'd really be happy. And I don't think that you would be contributing much to the good of the world. But what about this desire to be noticed and appreciated? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us the answer to that by helping us to see things as they are. The birth of Christ that we celebrate today exposed the false narrative of our social hierarchies. And it is something that Jesus, when he was full grown and about his public ministry, something he continued to do as well. He said that he came to announce good news to the poor, liberty to captives. Those who flocked to him were the ones looked down upon by the elites of society. The poor, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. One time Jesus was teaching. He placed a little child in their midst and children had no status in that society. And he said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a little child. And so Jesus taught that our place in God's kingdom is not determined by our power or wealth, but rather by our openness to and cooperation with the grace of God. And this subversion of the social order continued later. After Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. Upon the disciples, they began to preach the gospel. It began to spread through the Roman Empire. And it was subversive to the Roman order. Now, 
Mind you, Christians tried to be good citizens. They weren't out protesting and things like that, but you know, they, they paid their taxes, they worked hard, they obeyed just laws. But there's some things that they were quite stubborn about. Like they insisted that Jesus is Lord. Even though the Romans would say Caesar is Lord. They added Caesar to the pantheon of Roman gods. Christians would not worship this pantheon of gods. In fact, Romans called the Christians atheists because they insisted only, only on worshiping the triune God. The other big area in which Christians clashed with the Roman social order was immorality. The Christians insisted that sex was for marriage, and this applied equally to men as much as to women. Christians opposed infanticide, which was widely practiced. So if, if a Roman, usually it was, the, it was a father got to decide. If he didn't want a child for whatever reason, it was legal, it was practiced to just leave the child outside. The child often would die, or sometimes slave traders would take the child and raise the child and then sell the child into slavery. Christians went around finding these abandoned children and raising them to be free. Recently, a man named Tom Holland wrote a book called Dominion. And Tom Holland is not a believer. He's an expert in ancient Greece and Rome. And he asserts that the emergence of Christianity is, quote, the single most transformative development in Western history, end quote. His book, Dominion, is an ambitious telling of all of Christian history in which he gives tons of evidence for how modern beliefs that we take for granted, modern beliefs such as the equal dignity of every human being, such as a duty to care for the poor and suffering, that these came from Christianity. For example, during plagues, there were many devastating plagues, far more deadly than COVID, in which Christians cared for those who were sick, even while pagans would abandon their own family members out of fear. Christianity was far more humane than the pagan world which it entered into. If you are familiar with Western philosophy, you may have heard of a guy named Friedrich Nietzsche. And if you've heard of him at all, you probably know his famous quote that God is dead. Well, one day I was walking in the streets of Berkeley, California, and I saw a young man wearing a t-shirt. It said, God is dead, Nietzsche. And I just thought to myself, he's kind of this ignorant atheist, you know, just he thinks this is cool. Okay, well, I shouldn't have judged him, because as, as he was passing by me, I noticed there was writing on the back of the shirt. And it said, Nietzsche is dead, God. <laughs> so, but what did Nietzsche mean? Now, he didn't mean that someone actually killed God, although we did kill God on the cross. That wasn't what he was talking about. He was talking about how developments in philosophy during the Enlightenment period, advances in science, had made it so that many educated people in Europe no longer found it believable, the Christian story, the Christian assertions. And although Nietzsche himself did not believe that God existed, he did think that the loss in belief of God would have some harmful unintended consequences. In The Twilight of Idols, Nietzsche wrote this. He said, when one gives up the Christian faith, one pulls the right to Christian moral morality out from under one's feet. This morality is by no means self-evident. Christianity is a system, a whole view of things thought out together. By breaking one main concept of it, the faith in God, one breaks the whole. 
I think Nietzsche was partly right. I think there can be a delay in what he's describing. That a society can live even for decades off the accumulated capital of Christianity. But after enough time, if people stop saying that Jesus is Lord, they will stop loving one another as he has loved us. And society will become more cruel, people will become more indifferent and selfish. Right now, I think there's a great crisis of meaning. So many people have no sense that their lives matter, that their suffering may have purpose. And so we see this reflected tragically in increasing rates of suicide. There's a Christmas carol, O Holy Night, in which there's this beautiful line. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It's a beautiful line. For us and for our salvation, God became one of us. This is a revelation of the soul's worth. In the 1870s, a nine-year-old girl was kidnapped in the Sudan by slave traders, and the experience was so traumatic that she forgot her own name. Her captors called her Bakita, which in Arabic means fortunate, which is obviously an ironic name. She had different slave masters, many of which were very cruel. Until one day she was actually sold to an Italian and diplomat who was working in Sudan, and he took her back with him and his family to Italy. And in Italy she began to live for a while in a convent of religious sisters, Catholic nuns. And it was there the first time that she learned about Christianity. And she remembers as a little girl looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and wondering to herself, who could be the master of all these things? And wanting to know who that master was. And indeed, when she heard the story of Christ, she knew who he was. So she ended up becoming a Catholic in 1890. She was baptized and oftentimes she would go back to that church where she was baptized and she would kiss the font and she would tell people, here I became a child of God. And indeed in our second reading, Paul speaks to this. this we're celebrating the birth of a Savior and that Savior comes to us as individuals through faith and baptism. He speaks of the bath of rebirth and renewal. When she became a Christian, she took the name Josephine. So she's known as Josephine Bakita, and she was freed by an Italian court who gave her full legal rights, equal rights. But prior to that, she had already been freed by Jesus Christ. She had been freed from fear. And when you have your freedom, you have a choice. What are you going to do with it? And what did she decide to do with her freedom? Well, she decided to serve Jesus as a religious sister, as a nun. And in serving him and serving others in a beautiful and humble way for many, many years, through her prayers, through her cooking and sewing and embroidery and welcoming visitors. Her simplicity, her joy, her kindness won the hearts of all who knew her. In our first reading, the prophet Isaiah says that Israel will no longer be called forsaken, but rather frequented, which is not a great translation. A better translation would be sought after or cared for. God had shown the shepherds the little child who was their savior. And in doing so, he also showed them that they were not forsaken. 
that they were sought after, that they were cared for. And so was St. Josephine Bakita. And so are you.